Marvelous, marvelous. What beautiful singing. And because you're here, and we are glad you're here. So glad to see all of you here this morning. And if you are visiting with us, we would like to get to know you further. So hang around and uh, tell us about you and get to know everybody here at Birdwell's Chapel Church of Christ. Many of you walked in here this morning carrying something. It wasn't visible to the rest of us, but you were carrying a burden that you just can't or won't put down. I'm not talking about the types of troubles that we should rejoice in as the apostles did, troubles, trials for the cause of Christ, but rather the types of troubles that plague us, that cause us worry, anxiety, and turmoil, most of the time for really no good purpose, most of the time because they are self-inflicted. Where is God, you may say? We accept the trial part, especially in regards to our Christian lives. We understand that. But through the burdens I'm talking about this morning, some of us never seem to catch up to the comfort part. Come unto me, Jesus said, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Some of us need that rest that he's talking about. But we have to carry these burdens around for some reason. The Bible tells us to expect suffering because of our Christian faith. But many of us suffer today because of a different kind of trouble, the trials of life, the trials brought on by daily living, the trials and troubles that we put on ourselves. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the sower. If you'd like to turn there, Mark chapter 4. Verses 18 and 19, Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, through the parable of the sower, Jesus teaches us a great deal about what affects us, about what affects our hearts, about what affects our lives on a regular basis. And here he talks about a very specific seed when he says, and others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, all of us, in here have heard the word, but the worries of the world, Jesus said, and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You've heard the word. That's the type of, of ground that your heart is. You've heard the word. You've done that. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things whatever that might be, enter in and choke the word out. All of the lessons that I've delivered, Scott, other ministers, other members here have gotten up here and delivered, and they've talked about comfort. The cares of the world, you see, have choked that out. Satan's just choked it out of you, and you still have not found that comfort. And as the passage says here, you can't be fruitful if that's going on. And we're to bear fruit as Christians. We're to be a light to the world. But we've got to take care of the light that's in us. And I'm afraid that the troubles that we experience in our daily lives kind of dim that light out. There's a gap, you see. There's the desire to want to be a fruitful Christian. There's the knowledge of the Word of God that we can be and how, but yet there's a gap between the two. We're going to talk about that gap this morning and where our troubles come from. 
and what we can do about them. Because our burdens look something like this that we carry about that I'm talking about this morning. They start out basically as worry. Worry about what's going to happen tomorrow, about next week, about something you're not totally sure of. And that worry gets a little bigger, a little heavier, and it turns into anxiety. Still, we can control it up to this point, actually. But then these two things cause trouble. They cause troubles in our personal lives, with our relationships, with our work lives, with our health. These two things below troubles cause a lot of distress in our life, and it chokes the word out. And subsequently, we are not comforted. We are not free to live in a, a worry-free state because we continue to want to carry around these troubles. So where does this come from? You have a burden today that you need relief from. Something is keeping that burden on you. Let me say that. Something is keeping that burden on you. I'm not necessarily today talking about the burdens of life because we know they're there. But where does it come from? What is the source that we can't get rid of it, that we can't put that burden down? The first place it comes from is Satan. One of the earliest examples that we see of this is found in the book of Job. Job chapter 14 and verse 1. Man who is born of woman is short-lived and full of turmoil or full of we know the story of Job, how he lost his family, lost his health, lost his possessions. God allowed this to happen. God told Satan, don't harm Job. He goes and he harms many other things. And then later, God told Satan, you know, just don't take his life. God had confidence in Job and this confidence paid off. Job showed that he would be faithful to God regardless of what was going on. He struggled a bit. He questioned God. He struggled. His friends asked him, why are you doing this? Certainly you did something wrong. Why don't you just curse God and die, was even told to him. His wife even wondered, why are you living like this, Job? What's going on that all of this has happened? But Job never lost his faith in God. Satan tried to bring him down, and Satan failed miserably. How would God's confidence in you pay off? Because Satan's got his hold on you, most likely, if you're still carrying a burden around. 2 Corinthians 2.11, So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. Are you mindful of Satan's schemes, or do you think about them? Do you simply justify the way you are living, when in reality it's Satan that's using your particular circumstances for his own sort of schemes? Are you mindful of how he uses the cares of this world to bring you to him? To make you question the power of God? If you don't have peace in your life, don't you think it's because of Satan? Don't you think it's because certain things have happened, he's got a hold on your heart, and he wants you to believe the lies that he tells so often? In John chapter 8, Jesus was speaking to the Jews who had started believing in him, but we're having a tough time understanding his place with Abraham and how all that worked out. Abraham is our father, they would say. But Jesus corrects them in John chapter 8 and verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and you want to do to the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Don't you know that the negativity that's in your life is because you are believing the lies of Satan? That you need more money? That you need that addiction? That your spouse is your enemy? That you can't control your thoughts or your behaviors? All of it lies. God is waiting on the other side of whatever trial you might be going through, or maybe he's standing right there. Hopefully the trial, hopefully the difficulties has not removed you from God's side, but rather he is still walking alongside with you right now with what's going on. Know that God is there, and he wants you to look away from Satan and start looking to him and find comfort even in difficult times. Because you're still carrying that burden around. And Satan's telling you you have to. Satan's telling you you need it. Satan's telling you it's the only way you'll be productive. That you have to carry that burden around. I'm telling you today that's a lie. You don't have to. You don't have to carry that trouble around anymore. Let it go. Because a lot of times we want to let it go, but we'll take it right back. And where does that comfort go? That comfort goes out the door. That Christian light, that Christian life where we're supposed to be at peace? Are you truly at peace today with your life where you are right now? Or are you you worried so much about tomorrow, about the next hour, that you're losing sleep over? Time to put that burden down. So our troubles, they come from Satan. But they can also come from those around us. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is telling the Corinthian church about the details of Christ and how his death and resurrection make us alive. The church at Corinth was engaging with people that didn't believe this, so he tells them this in verses 33 and 34. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. If you're looking to grow spiritually, look at the people around you. Are they growing spiritually as well? Are they faithful to God? If not, maybe you need to be that light in that moment. Don't let them pull you away because we've got to become sober-minded as you ought, continuing in the passage, and stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. Because you know this already, church. You know this already, Corinthian Christians. Know this already, Ergel's Chapel, that you shouldn't be around people who can corrupt your good morals. You shouldn't be around people who can pull you away from God, whether they be friends, acquaintances, those in your family, because that happens. People can pull you away from God. It's happened throughout history. It happened in biblical history, biblical times. It can happen even today. What Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15, 33 and verse 34 is true today as it ever has been. Psalm chapter 118, let's turn there. In this passage, we are given some wise words regarding our devotion to God versus our devotion to our friends. I work, of course, at Portland East Middle School, and when we have a a fun day, it doesn't take much to entertain them. Just let them hang out with each other because they're, they're devoted to their friends. That social network that they have, it's a real social network, not online, I mean. 
But as they interact socially with one another, it's very important to them. And they oftentimes can't see, even as us adults cannot see, that those friends can influence you for bad reasons. They can influence you, of course, away from God. Psalm 118 and verse 5. From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is for me, I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, the psalmist is saying, I'm devoted to God. What can man do to me? Nothing. Because I want to be on the side of God. Because, verse 7, the Lord is for me among those who help me. He's in my corner. I hope you have people in your life that are helping you in your Christian life, that are encouraging you in your marriage, that are encouraging you in your spiritual walk. And here it's said that the Lord is with me among those. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. Because there's going to be people who hate you. There are. You're not going to get along with everybody. We know that that's true. And here the psalmist is saying, I will see those and they will hate me and I will look on with them with satisfaction. Why? Because I know I'm okay. Those who hate you want to see you fail. They want to see you fail in all sorts of ways for whatever reason. And that's where our troubles come from. It comes from those people who hate us. Those who love you want you to be closer to God, want you to be closer to Christ, want you to be closer to the Holy Spirit and have that connection with the Godhead so that you can live a pure and right life and a good life on this earth. So I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me because they can't bring me down. No, sir, they can't bring me down because I have God on my side. All too often, we put our companions before God because we'd rather be popular than be in right with God, than to have that connection. Because sometimes it is one or the other. Sometimes it is one or the other. How do you become connected with people? Well, you engage in the behaviors that they are engaging in. And sometimes that's sinful. Sometimes that's things that God directly forbids, and yet adults and young people go directly into that path because it brings them into contact with people who they think love them. But God loves you more. God loves you way more. Verse 8, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. So whatever relationships you have that are out there, you must count the one with God first and foremost because those around you want to see you fail sometimes. They're okay with it. It'll justify their existence because they're miserable too. But the man who seeks after the Lord will be happy. The man who seeks after God, who seeks after spiritual things, will be the happiest of all whether he's living in a mansion or camped out under a tree. There are people in your life, I'm sure, who cause you worry and cause you a great deal of trouble. They're only able to do that if you let them. And sometimes you've got to separate yourself from them. Sometimes relationships have to change, especially in our youth. Because as our young people grow and mature, they start to become who they are. And they start to realize, hey, this person doesn't have my same values. You know, when you were five, you like to color? I like to color. We'll be friends. We'll be best friends, right? But as you become teenagers and grow up, 
little different. You really start to see some dividing lines, and that's unfortunate. You know, as Christians, we want unity, but even before that, as Christians, we want to bring each other to Christ and say to one another, you know, let's both serve Christ together and encourage one another and not bring each other down. But sometimes, sometimes you've got to burn some bridges. And maybe those bridges will light your path. Maybe those bridges will show you to a place that you never thought you could be. Whenever you finally cut out relationships that may be causing you trouble and keeping you away from God. So don't give other people the control in your life. But rather allow God to control you. We also develop trouble, get trouble from ourselves. And some of this is obvious. We suffer the consequences of our actions. This is why we tell our children to watch what they do. Make sure that you're careful. You know, make good decisions. Make good choices. But this translates well into adulthood, of course. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. We cause ourselves trouble sometimes because we reap the consequences of our actions. This is seen in 2 Samuel chapter 12, if you'd like to turn there. 2 Samuel chapter 12, David, King David, had an inappropriate affair with Bathsheba. And the child from that relationship became sick. David fasted and he wept, hoping that God would spare the child. Maybe God will change his mind. Maybe he won't take the child from him. But eventually, David stopped after the child passed. Did he continue to grieve? Yes, most certainly. Most certainly, he was still sad when he thought about his actions. It's part of the consequences of going against what God would have us to do. But David did move on. His servants asked him, David, you know, before he passed, you were weeping. You were fasting. What changed? And then he asked in in verse 23, Can I bring him back again? Of course he can. Just like we cannot change many of the circumstances that we are in. So once you've done a deed, once you've performed an act and are reaping those consequences, you've got to move through it, but then you've got to move on as well. So our actions bring about troubles in our lives. Another thing that brings about trouble is worry. Worry is a big thing might be a big thing for you, it's a big thing for me. I've had to really work on that over my time. But worry, one way to put it, it's giving ourselves a problem that we don't have to have. Because when you have a problem, you are working through that, right? Just like David did. David fasted, he wept, he grieved over his sick son. Then he moved on. Worry, however, we're worried about something that may or may not happen. Matthew 6 and verse 34 says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you worry a lot? It's time to stop doing that. We need to admit we need God because we don't know what the outcome of our circumstances will be. And God is there to help you with your worry. He's there to be there with you. He has given you everything that you need to get through difficult times. This is a drift boat, fabulous uh, piece of uh, watercraft. And the men in it, they have all that they need 
to get down the river. Large oars, knowledge of the river, where it's going, uh, rocks that are in certain ways possibly. And they can control a lot. But what they can't control is what the water's doing. They just have to go along with it. God has given you everything that you need, everything that you need for righteousness and for godly living. And one of those facets that you must remember is you've got to stop worrying. Sometimes you do have to go with the flow and have to go on with what's happening at the moment. Worry robs the day of its strength, which causes more trouble. When you worry in the morning, starting at 5 or 6 a.m. when you wake up, that affects you for the rest of the day. It does no good at all. If these men were to panic and start flailing about, the boat would not take the course that it should take. It would be pushed and it would be dashed against the rocks. And they could very likely die in this river. So you've got to see where you are and accept it. You've got to accept what's going on, use the knowledge that you have, gain more knowledge of Scripture, and go with life and understand that worry is not going to change anything. Worry can possibly be a good thing. It might tell you something's up. It might tell you something's going on and that you need to change something. And if that's the case, change it. Just like in the river, change the path that you're going on and adapt to it so that you can come out better and not perish. So we get worry, we get trouble from Satan, from those around us, from ourselves. Well, how do we change this? How do we go from a constant state of trouble, which it seems like that's what some of us are in from time to time, to a more content and comforted mode? Saul, on the road to Damascus, before he converted to Christianity and became Paul, was blinded for a time. And it took this to help him see God. Maybe you are facing difficulties right now and you're bearing the burden yourself. God is waiting for you to give him that burden. Maybe you need this difficult time right now to say to yourself, I need God. I need him. I haven't employed him enough. I haven't asked him into my life enough. I need to do that more. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 says this, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist him. Too many of us invite him in to breakfast, have coffee with him, have lunch, and have a late dinner with him. Some of us do that way too much. We need to resist the devil. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Because we listen to those negative voices way too much. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Well, Dale, how do I do this? Clients ask me this all the time. They, they suffer from worry. They suffer from, from anxiety. They know these scriptures. They've gone to church all their lives. They know they shouldn't worry. But what do they do? And what do you do this morning to change your mind on some of these aspects? Well, first off, you have to ask yourself, what do you want? What do you want to be different in your life? And envision that. And then think, what would it be like if I didn't have this worry? How would I feel? Meditate on that. Think on that. If I didn't have this worry, what would I feel like? And if you have to change some things, modify some things to make some differences, do that. But what I'm talking about now is what's going on between your ears. The change that has to happen there. Because a lot of times people who want to change their mind about something, change their thinking, change their feeling, they don't know how to do that. And it's like they're in a burning house and they're running around everywhere, 
And they're not looking for the exit sign. The exit sign is this. You've got to envision what it would be like to not worry about something. And you've got to grab onto that feeling and, and know what it feels like and experience it for a moment. And it's going to poof. It's going to vanish because the devil says, you need to get that out of here. That's what Satan wants to tell you. Satan wants to tell you, you don't need that in your life, but you've got to bring it right back. And you've got to feel it, and you've got to rest on that. Whenever you do, as you practice that feeling, hopefully you'll start to worry less and less. What do you see here? What do you see in the picture? Most of you are saying, well, Dale, it's one of your frowny faces again. You'd be right. But did you miss all of the white that's also on the screen? There's a whole lot of white, but all of us most likely saw a frowny face. As you look at the negativity in your life, it seems like that's all you can see. And you start to go down, and it starts to get worse, and the pain and anxiety you just can hardly tolerate anymore. This makes Satan real happy. Makes Satan real happy. What it should do to us is it should make us angry. Angry that this happens to us every day. Because we have a Lord and Savior that died for us, and we shouldn't have to bear the burden of worry, of trouble, because it ripples out into our lives as you worry about one thing that you know you shouldn't worry about, but it creates anxiety, creates a burden that ripples out into the rest of your life. Make the necessary changes to succeed and know that you are in charge of your mind. Make a change. Don't let Satan win this battle. Psalm chapter 71 and verse 12 says this, O God, do not be far from me. O my God, hasten to my help. All of us need this passage this morning. Some maybe more than others. Ask God to come help you with that burden. Ask God to take it away from you and put it down. Burdens aren't like firewood. You know, when you, when you start to build a fire, you gather up as much firewood as you can and take it you know, to where you're building the fire. You don't have to carry your burdens like that. Maybe you have one burden that needs to be dealt with, that needs prayer this morning that we can help you with. Or maybe that burden just needs to be laid down. That your life's good and you're actually giving yourself a problem you don't have. You don't have to pick up that burden at all anymore. Be in the moment. Be where you are so that you can enjoy the love and the peace that God offers every one of us. Hopefully now that you know where troubles come from, and these are probably only a few of them. Hopefully you'll know where they're coming from for you, and that you'll stop letting them in your life, and you'll start enjoying more of the peace that passes understanding, but, but you can grab onto it today and enjoy it every moment of your life. If you need prayers this morning, if you need to become a Christian, come forward and we can assist you. And you can be saved through baptism, be added to the body of Christ, just as the Christians were in Acts chapter 2. So let go of that burden this morning because you don't have to carry it anymore. Won't you come now while we stand and sing?